Juice podcast. I'm Alice Sheridan and I'm Louise Fletcher. So it's lovely to have you back here with us again. We thought we would give ourselves a gentle structure so that it wasn't a totally random waffle. So we've got a couple of questions that we're going to revisit each week and we're going to start with the art itself and what is happening in real time for each of us. So the question is, what are you working on this week? So in this section, we're going to look back on what we've each been doing, whether we've had particular highs or lows or things that we've realized that might be helpful to share or perhaps where we're stuck. I, I suppose we might end up brainstorming a little bit with each other on that. Yes, that would be great. <laughs> I can start. So I'm stuck. You start. Go on, you crack in. Um, I have a show coming up in uh, two months. Well, it's actually a month and a half. And um, I had originally thought that I had enough paintings for that show, but I've sold some in the meantime. And now... Tough problem, I, tough problem. Yes, tough problem, but I have to make more. And the problem I'm having is that my work is kind of leading me and um, it's going in a different direction than the pieces I already have. It's going more abstract. And um, I'm struggling a little bit. It's not struggling because I love it. So it doesn't make me unhappy. Um, it's fun to see where it's going. But I, I do, I'm aware that I have six weeks, five weeks, six weeks till I have to hang these paintings, or at least a few of them. So um, I, I have some pieces that, and they don't feel particularly cohesive to me at the moment. Um, so I'm in here every day. I usually manage a couple of hours a day because I have a lot of other things as well. Um, and some days I make progress and some days I go backwards. Um, so that's, that's where I am currently. And does six weeks feel like it's a time pressure? It does. Because we've talked about this. I think you are much more confident about taking a painting from where it is to the finish. And I still seem to have this labored process that goes through layer after layer after layer. And then all of a sudden, oh, that's it. That's done. I'm happy with it. Um, but I don't seem to yet have found my shortcut to get between, to get through some of that. Um, I'm not worried, worried because I feel like it'll all work out. But I do keep looking at them thinking, I wish you would just tell me what you want to be so that we could get on with it <laughs> it's difficult isn't it because you could recognize it when it happens but you can't always create the exact um circumstances and situation it's not like just turning on a tap and a painting comes out i no. think i think inevitably you have to go through these ups and downs um and let the painting surprise you along the way and if you're in a bit of a hurry or you feel as if you're in a bit of a hurry that's a hard thing to do. But I suppose the question is, if you're feeling like you're under pressure on it, does that make it harder to recognize when actually what you've got is enough of a, not a starting point, because by then you're already quite into the painting, but when you're feeling under a certain amount of stress, I think sometimes it makes us harder for us to recognize that actually what we've got is enough. A little bit harsh, but sometimes coming out of when you get to that point where you think that you've ruined something, 
um, that's when the jumping up point starts. So are you, you're working on more presumably than you actually need to finish. So you've given yourselves a bit of leeway. Yes. And can also, can you, can you actually hang fewer than you need at the end with a bit more space or, yes. or you can? I could. I could. And so I think, I think I'm fine. Um, I think I pushed myself too hard. So I, I, I think. I, I would see it then more as, I mean, because I think it's, it's something that you grapple, not you, we grapple with all the time. You know, how do I have a style that is going to develop? And that's not going to change. And it's more about visualizing how your new work can fit amongst your older or your existing work but take it into another realm that's a bit more exciting. And that starts to become a more interesting opportunity than thinking of how many paintings do I need to fill the walls? Yes, that makes sense. That makes total sense, yeah. Yeah. And like I say... You know, if, you, if you were... I mean, I come back to this often. If you were the curator of this show and you have got already 12 paintings that fit this um, slight style approach what's going to look really good and slightly different and that might give you the open space and the freedom to make something that is a bit different rather than feeling like it has to somehow match the older ones yes I, I think, think you've moved on from that already though I think that's a really good point I think I have but I think I moved into like, oh, but all, are all these two different from each other? Which I think we do all the time. And this is where it comes back to everybody listening as well. I think we, we tend, or I certainly know I do, and I've heard other people say that we question ourselves as to if this is what I'm doing, um, my automatic assumption is that's not really the right thing. And real artists somewhere else are doing it a different way. And, um, so, so real artists know what they're doing and you don't know what you're doing therefore yeah. yeah but actually what i really believe is that real artists don't know what they're doing i really believe in my heart of hearts that being a, what i consider a real artist isn't about what it looks like it's about are you pushing yourself and into new areas exploring learning testing out things for me that's what art is so I've got well, that's to very tough, isn't it? It's very tough when you also want to manage and balance it with, like you say, a sense of realism and um, knowing that, yes, it's lovely to sell work, please. Yeah. And, and how you balance how you balance those two things, I think, is one of the recurring conundrums that no doubt we're going to come back to again and again. Yeah. So I know you've been you, you just getting back into the studio again, aren't you, after the holidays? So what are you working on? Yeah, so it's funny, actually, because it has quite a lot of links with yours. So I am working on um, something quite different this week. Um, I was approached before Christmas by um, an art licensing company. Now, I've done this before uh, with not brilliant results, it has to be said. Um, about four years ago, so much older work. And actually they picked pieces that I wasn't entirely happy about, but it was in a totally different country. And I thought, well, you know, where's the harm? And I still think where's the harm? Um, but this company is very different and they've got a very um, specific market. And, but it did start off, it was one of those conversations that started off being quite broad and I explained the way I worked and they said that's fine can we just have a look at the next set of work when you make it 
and it was going to be the beginning part of this year and then it turned into something more specific and they would like certain paintings using mm -hmm. certain colors and could they have some that are a mix of these and and then it got closer and closer and closer and then it was the end of January and then it was actually the courier needs to ship on this date so that we can get them scanned so I'm working in a very, very tight time scale to a very tight budget, a very, not tight budget, tight um, brief, much, much tighter than I would usually work even when I was doing a commission. Yeah. And I'm trying to keep hold of the looseness. So I'm tackling that by working on more paintings than they actually need to choose from right. Um, but it does feel quite restrictive, but I'm happy to do it to experiment with how it feels when I'm working. So, and really the only limit is what colors they want the end result to include. And, um, and usually that's something for me that comes up during the process of work. So I still, I start to see things happening now, like, oh, look how that orange crosses and it makes that beautiful olivey green. And then I get pulled back to, no, you can't make this an olivey green painting. So I can't quite get into the flow of making the paintings in a way that I would normally let myself do. And that's very interesting as a reflective way of looking at how my process works, I suppose. Yeah, I was gonna say, it sounds like you would learn from that even though it's not the way you, you perhaps want to work going forward, it sounds like it's still a valuable experience. That's what I'm hoping. So we'll see how they go. <laughs> well, now we've got going to have one main question or topic that we're going to discuss um, each episode that goes out. And we'd love you to weigh in on this. So when this uh, podcast is published, there will be links to the episode on each of our social media pages. So come over and find us on Facebook, Alice Sheridan or Louise Fletcher Art. If you search, they should come up and look for the podcast um, post and you can join in with this conversation too. We'd love to hear from you. So what we're going to talk about right now is something that I know I struggled with a lot and it comes up again and again in conversations. So the question is, is making art selfish? And I think it was an issue for me because it's time consuming and, you know, we all have the same amount of time. Nobody can create time yet. We can create all sorts of other things that we can't create time. Um, so inevitably, any hour or minute you spend creating art, you're choosing to say no to something else. And for me, it was, I had a younger family at the time and it, there were definitely times when making art felt totally selfish. Have you ever had that? I have, I have, but I have a bit of a different perspective on it. So I, I haven't, hmm. What I think about it for myself is that when, what I've learned is when I'm not making art, I'm not a very nice person to be around. Mm. Um, and so for me, so I, so here's what I think. I used to think of myself as selfless, right? I help everyone. I look after everyone. I make the, all the meals. I don't have children, so I don't have that responsibility. But my friends, I do all the housework in the house. I cook all the meals. My husband's good in other ways, but that's what I do. And um, I always felt I was a very selfless person, but I was getting more and more unhappy and more and more snippy and I am not a nice person to be around when I'm not happy <laughs> so 
now in this last year when I've moved to spending more time on my art and making an actual career out of art I'm so much nicer and I think if you asked my husband he would say that he's much happier now than he was a year ago <laughs> so I and also I became very depressed so it wasn't just I wasn't just snippy I was depressed and down and that's like a black cloud dragging everyone with you so for you that was happening you knew did you know that you wanted to make art and you were depressed because you couldn't no I didn't I just but it happened as a result the feeling better or the depression is lifted partly as a result of now spending your time on something that that I yeah. yeah and and I, I mean I did in the last two years I realized I thought I want to be painting and I have to do this work I have my own business which is very time consuming and then I have to make dinner and I'm fed up of this and I don't have any time to get out there and paint so I did in the last at first I didn't then I did either way I felt I, I felt looking back on it I think I was being selfish in a way when I thought I was being selfless, if that makes any sense. I was trying to... Well, I think you, you felt that it was impossible for you to take any more time to do this thing. Yeah, but I think there was, I'm probably saying too much revealing now, but I think there was some part of me that enjoyed being like the... The, the martyr. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're all sitting around. Everybody's, I'm the one who has to do all this. I think there's a part of me that enjoys But isn't that true so often? I, I mean, I find that, talk about revealing too much. When, <laughs> um, when you know, <laughs> you know, this is, this is weird. We're recording this in January and I've just had a big house tidy up, which I love doing. Mm. Um, but I find myself niggling the children to tidy their stuff. And it's really because I'm not getting around to, sorting my own stuff out right. <laughs> so I think that this it, you know it happens often this and often we, we it's very difficult to recognize things within yourself yeah until you until you see how it's affecting your relationship with other people I mean my my um story with depression is a bit different so my daughter is now 14 and I had a period of depression after she was born that I didn't recognize for quite a long time. And it, so she was maybe nine months old when I recognized this is really an issue. And it went on through various kind of trips to the doctor and medication on and medication off and all of that and therapy for, I would say a good four and a half years. And it was only when she went to school that I felt right now I have got the time and I was looking at what I wanted to do with my life, basically. You know, did I want to go back to my previous year, a career, which was as a graphic designer? Or did I want to start something totally different? And I was looking for all these alternatives. And it was really only one day when I thought, I'm just skirting around the issue here. And, you know, we've only got one chance at this. And I think probably that's what the depression showed me was to face up to things that if we don't face up to things that are tough they won't go away yeah <laughs> um they will stay there and you know I just realized that when I get to the end of my life I don't want to regret 
not having done something. And I don't know what the outcome is going to be. At that point, I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Um, but I don't want to wish I'd tried something and wonder what would have happened if I had done that. And that was what started me. And, and I think that's totally when I finally got through all those parts of, of depression and, and managing it. And it's something that I still have to be aware of, but I don't feel like it's coming back now. Sometimes I've, you know, have, everybody has not good days, but you know, that yeah. kind of depression is a different thing. Yeah. Um, and I think the way I think about the selfish issue is this, when I hear you talk about, you say um, there were times when you were, felt you were being selfish because I assume you chose painting over spending some time with the kids at some point or something but yeah. think about think about all the stuff that's happened because you made that decision to be so-called selfish and make art the people that I know that you inspired including me and lots of other people and now the way those people are going out into the world and inspiring other people and so because I met you, because you made that decision, then I met you online, then I decided to start my blog and my website. And there are all kinds of people now finding me um, because I first found you. And so I think it's the opposite of selfish for us to explore the gifts that we have to the maximum potential because everyone's got different gifts. Like I was not born with the ability to, do science. I'm never going to discover a cure for cancer. That's not going to happen. I was given the ability to, to write well, to empathize and intuit what people are thinking and to make art. And that's really it. So I feel like I have to use those gifts, however limited they might be, um, that, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, going to ever be the world's best writer, but I have to be the best writer I can be with the time I've got left, I think it's selfish not to do whatever it is that you're good at because you give so much more to the, to the world when you explore what you're able to do. That's, I really passionately believe that. And if we, if you had said, you know, this is selfish, I'm just going to spend all my time with my family and I'm going to vacuum more often. <laughs> because the house isn't as tidy as it could be well think how many people's lives wouldn't have been as good as they are now and that's just on one small scale so all of the people in the world if everybody in the world were to really explore and work hard at developing their own gifts the world would be so much of a better and more interesting place that's my soapbox I'll stop now <laughs> But it's I mean it is true but I think um very often at the beginning you can't even imagine those kind of ripples no. coming out as a result but I think what I could see that was much closer to home was that it's not good for children in a home if their mummy is grumpy and miserable so whether that's you going to a job every day that you really dislike yeah you know, whatever we can do within our own situation to change it. You know, some of it's not always all within your control, but there's always something that you can do. And, you know, in, the, in those really early days, it was just me choosing to go out to life drawing classes on a Tuesday evening and having one thing in my week that wasn't related to 
anybody else in the family or having to do anything for anybody else. And, um, you know, it was, you know, that was difficult to set up and we had to pay for a babysitter because my husband wasn't home for work. And, you know, there was a degree of struggle even in that small step. But what it meant was that I started to regain bigger things like confidence, recognition that actually I did have an ability, that there was something that I enjoyed doing. And that was the beginning of all of those things that actually you really want your children to see. You know, I want my daughter to grow up and my son knowing that they have options and they can make a decision to make something happen or to put energy into something and it's okay to not know what the end result is going to be and yeah. that you know that's a much bigger positive end result than just the fact mummy can make a painting and yeah. i know that it has an impact because when i hear them now talking to their friends there is a degree of pride yeah r rather unfairly perhaps a little bit more interest in what i do than what poor dad does he has a more <laughs> regular job and just leaves the house and then comes back again <laughs> yeah. whereas they see me struggle you know they see me put the hours in um and you know they can see that it's something that i feel really strongly about and worth spending my time on even when i'm not loving certain parts about it so that i think they recognize within that that it's not always just me having a fun time yes and that takes away you know mummy's just doing this because it's she wants to do it you know it's not always fun and it's not in that way totally selfish they can see the bigger results so yeah and i think also it, it outside the family your friends and people that you come into contact with i think when somebody pursues what they love it's it kind of gives permission to other people to think they might be able to do it yeah and um, it certainly did for me when I saw other people doing it. I still had this thing in my mind, but I won't be able to. But just seeing that other people could do it and that gives it says that's possible. That's possible. But if they can do it, can I do it somehow? And so I think that's another selfless thing about pursuing what you really love is that other people around you who are stuck in lives they don't like. I went out for lunch with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago. I told her this whole story about what I've done and how my life's been changing. And we hadn't seen each other in a while. She's very unhappy at work. And she's, she said, you know, I'm starting to think about early retirement, um, listening to you talk, because I could manage it. And then I could do this thing that I've been thinking about doing, which was totally unrelated to art. But that's an example of how she may or may not do it now, but she might do it in a year just because yeah. she's seen someone else do it. And I just think there's so many people walking around miserable. I know because I was one of them. Because we talk ourselves into the idea that we have to do certain things. And of course, if we have a sick parent, you know, elderly parent, we have to care for them. And there are all sorts of have to's in life. But there are also all sorts of ways around them to take bits of time for ourselves. And we're both an example of when you make that first tiny step, all sorts of other things come out of it that you cannot possibly imagine, as you just said, when you first make that first step. 
you could, if you had told me all the things that have happened this year, even two years ago, I would have said you were insane. But I, and I think it, it can be even smaller than that, can't it? I think when, when, when you're in a position where you're finding it difficult to, you know, see beyond it, um, you know, whether you are thinking that you're out of selfish or week after week after week goes by and you're not making it. I mean, I'm sure there are some people listening who are thinking, well, you know, I, I, that's not an issue for me. I'm quite happy. I can see the, the benefits and I no longer feel that way about, about making my art. But I know that there will be people listening who are thinking, well, that's okay because you did it. And I think I started in ways that weren't actually art related too. So it was taking other small decisions in my life and you know, perhaps again, this is another reaction to um, being a mother and you know having to always think of younger children needs before you, mm-hmm. and just saying that actually it's okay to do things the way you want to do them sometimes, and you don't always have to think about somebody else first, or little things like um, so buying myself sorry sorry eco warriors but um buying raspberries for myself if i saw them in a shop and thought oh i really fancy having raspberries even though it's not in season and they're four pounds a pound right (laughs) that was something i would never ever have done before because i would have had this kind of slight puritanical ethic of spending money carefully and it's not being necessary but I think that on its own is a small example of where it's okay to give yourself permission to do something probably not every day you know for the planet and the purse strings perhaps but it doesn't have to be something that costs you know it can be something like just making sure that you're going to take time out of your lunch hour at work to go for a walk rather than racing back to spend another half an hour earlier working on something that at the end of the day nobody else might even notice that half hour yeah yeah Um, for me for me those small steps were things like because I was so involved in working all the time the small steps for me were saying I work with my husband and we work from home so saying to him I'm going out to paint in the middle of the afternoon yeah and the whole thing at the, at the first, the whole time I was here, I feel guilty. The whole time there's this nagging little thing in the back of my mind. You should be in there doing something you hate. Why? I don't know. You just should because that's what life's like. But, um, and I still have a little bit now and I'll say to him, I'm going to paint now. And it fe- there's this little bit of me saying, you shouldn't be doing something that you enjoy so much. Um, but it's, it's littler. It's going smaller. And I think the other thing about the the taking the step to do these things for me the small steps didn't come really until I made the the step of of developing my art yeah that's interesting as my art's changed as I've got more confident in making art I've completely transformed as a person I mean I came to your house a few months ago to a retreat and I came in and I chatted to people when I arrived I would have been very uncomfortable in that situation even a year ago because I'm very, I was always very shy when I first met people. Um, Says the lady who's just started a podcast. 
Yeah, I know. I'm not shy anymore. I'm like, I'll talk to anyone. <laughs> but I'm just completely different. And the reason is, um, so if, if people, what I would like to say to anybody who feels, oh, I just don't have time to go do that. And I have all these other things is it just, it changes. It does change your life when you, when you start dedicating time to art. It can't, I don't know how it does or why it does, but it does. So what about people then who perhaps are a little bit more established? They already have a good art making practice. Is this a hurdle that they've just got over? You know, have you got over this by the time you're prepared to pay for hired studio space? Um, you know, be working full time. And, and what or I just wonder if this is an issue that still comes up or at that point, whether it's something that's gone away entirely. And that is because you're getting recognition from an outside source for it, which is something that, you know, we're not actually supposed to do. We're supposed to, supposed, we're supposed to do things because it gives us um, intrinsic satisfaction rather than external satisfaction. But I know from myself, goodness me, it doesn't make it an awful lot easier to say this is important and not selfish if you can see that other people are benefiting from it. So it becomes a kind of reinforcing circle, doesn't it? If you can yeah. spend time in your work and get it out and other people appreciate it and you're getting that feedback, it's, it, it, it becomes a loop back. And I just wonder if for people who are more established, there is another reason if this goes away or perhaps it never does. I don't know. Yeah, so if you're more established, you need to come on the pages and comment and tell us because that would be very interesting to know. I'm sure that there are perhaps other things that come up instead. Maybe we just have one, one set of hang-ups or issues and they just get replaced by different things at different levels, maybe. I think that's what we, yes, because that's the way we are as humans, isn't it? Our mind goes, all right, I've solved that problem. Here's another one for you. <laughs> just to keep us on our toes <laughs> so do you feel at the moment is ma is making your art selfish no no I truly don't believe it is no. I make I make my husband happier I make my friends happier and I'm uh, in sharing what I'm doing and explain and talking to people about my process and, and the struggles that I have, I feel like I'm helping and inspiring people who are maybe, you know, uh, just coming back into art or worrying about their art or lonely and don't have anyone to talk to about it. So I, I don't feel it selfish at all. Maybe that's the key to it too, then that, that, I mean, you just said sharing the inspiration and the struggles. Yeah. You know, it's not selfish if, if it's, part of a full picture of the ups and the downs yes and it's not just showing off or pretending oh yeah look how wonderful my paint yeah no no I, I so for me but maybe i'm just a very selfish person there's this this is a possibility we haven't discussed what that you are a very selfish but, yeah i'm just basically a selfish person that's quite possible <laughs> well i think the other angle on this is um you know, is this a women thing? Do women find this harder to do? I mean, yeah. I, I have I have friends and their husbands, you know, since they were early days of marriage, small babies, would take themselves off to play rugby. 
they would do rugby training two evenings a week. They would be away all day on Sunday. They'd go on rugby tours or they'd yeah. keep up their cycling hobby and that yeah, would involve yeah. doing all sorts of, you know, whatever the thing was. And they seem to have no issues about this is selfish for me to do this and take this time. It was, it was necessary for them. Yep. Yep. And um, I don't know a dad. I'm thinking of all the dads I know. I don't know one that doesn't uh, have their own. Either they're off in the garage tinkering. That was my dad. When we were young, uh, my dad was permanently in the garage tinkering. I'm sure just to escape us. Because um, <laughs> he was very handy and that was his thing. And my mom says now that she did everything when we were little. Um, and But I see it. So we have, yeah, there's somebody who goes cycling and running all the time. There's another one that's always in the garage till late at night doing his stuff. Um, I, I think men generally don't have an issue. But now there's probably some men listening, yelling at the, at the computer, because what about the fact that as a man, you feel the responsibility often, even though it's a gender stereotype, to be the breadwinner mm. and to work long hours and to... Mm. And perhaps in that way, you have different pressures. But I don't think men have that particular feeling of this is selfish. Yeah. So do we just, maybe it's just a question of giving ourselves permission from something. And I think there, there are stages where it does help to have some kind of, whether it's validation from somebody else or whether it's just being straightforward, maybe with your spouse or just yeah. saying, this is really important to me. I feel guilty when I do this and they look at you. I mean, I know I've had conversations like this where I say, um, you know, it feels awkward when I do this. And my husband looks at me as if to say, what are you thinking? Yeah, you know, my husband of course that. you shouldn't feel yeah. guilty when you do this. You know, do your thing. That's some made up nonsense totally of your own yes um and that, look, and that look on your husband's face must be the same one on my husband's face when I say it because I, I, do, I don't think they genuinely have that thought in their heads no no so maybe that's the thing who, who are you being selfish from for you know yeah. who do you think if you've still got that thought of this as selfish what do you think you're taking away from somebody else and have you actually checked with them whether that is true or whether this is just something that you're being hard on yourself about? That's a very good. You know, so if it's, if it's children, do you actually say to them, I mean, if they're at school, they don't care. I mean, quite frankly, when I was a child, when I was at school, my mum might as well have vanished from the planet in that time yeah. I had no awareness of what she was doing in that time she was probably doing all sorts of things and I also know because she told me this when my children first went to school um, she said take three weeks and do nothing run a nice hot bath in the middle of the day go back to bed sit on the sofa and read novels for three weeks because you were <laughs> plenty of time in your life running around after people take some time just for you but I think you know as far as children are concerned, once they can no longer see us, out of sight, out of mind, they're getting on with their own lives. So, you know, you owe it to yourself to do the same thing with yours, perhaps. Yes. Nice. That was good. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, if somebody's still grappling with that, I hope that helps. So 
I suppose um, then we're going to have a question that comes from um, other artists that we're in conversation with, or sometimes it will come from buyers perhaps, or art collectors. Sometimes they might be practical things. Um, and I guess we'll touch on them, but really it's a question for you to think about in your own time. And it could relate to making your art or it could relate to other elements of your life and just this idea of perhaps thinking in a more open and creative way. So are you ready for this week's question? We're ready. If fear wasn't a factor, what would you make? Ooh. So no practicalities, I guess, here. And I think, you know, this could go, this could go beyond art into all sorts of life wishes. But maybe for this one, you and I should just very briefly keep it. What would you make in your art? Can you think of like in a couple of sentences? Yes. I would make, at the moment, I would make huge red abstract paintings, a massive series of them. But I have nowhere to store them. I don't, in my heart of hearts, believe anybody wants huge red abstract paintings. And that's still important at the moment, whether people want them. Well, because I have nowhere to keep them if I make them, <laughs> people don't want them. So... Um, that is stopping me but there's this pull i've done i've done three paintings all in the same vein and i would love to keep exploring it more but i i know i was thinking fear is keeping me back from doing that the fear of having to keep them afterwards yeah the fear of like i suppose the fear of wasting time the fear of making something that everybody just will think oh what's that and then the fear of having all this stuff stopped up, stored up in my not very big house. Um, yeah. what, if, what if it was, what if it was something that was temporary or the destruction of it was part of the process? Oh, like Banksy. <laughs> no, I know what you mean though. So I'm going to make huge red paintings and then paint over them. Yeah, or make them on canvas and then cut them up or make them and then burn them. <laughs> right. That's okay. too harsh. Yeah. <laughs> we're going I way think... into terror. We've moved away from fear and we're into sheer terror now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's tough because that's a lot of um, wasted time and energy in one way, but yeah. equally you would have learned from the experience. So it's not waste, it wouldn't be wasted, would it? No, and another way to think about it would be that if I kept making them and I resolved the issue of how to make them to the way I want them, maybe somebody else would want them too, so. Mm. And they so, can't want them if they don't exist. Exactly, so what about you? Well, it's funny, I think scale is also an issue. Um, Scale is also an issue and it is also a practical issue for me as well. I work at the top of um, two flights of turning stairs and there is a limit to how much will fit through the door. Um, so that is also an issue. So I'm not going to go for scale though. My current fear at the moment is that if I simplify my paintings, they won't be interesting enough. Mm. So simplify it in what way? 
that's the bit I suppose I don't know. Simplify. Just I just have, feel that I've got a yearning at the moment to edit down even more and just make things. Sometimes I feel my paintings are a bit busy. They're a bit crazy. And that seems to be just the way that they come out. That's just the way that they work. Right. Um, and I'm not sure how much you can struggle about that and whether it's a natural thing of desiring something that you don't always have, just like I look at people with straight hair and think that would be easy to manage. Um, you know, with the painting, sometimes I, I just feel myself looking at people who've managed to really pare it down and think, oh, there's something in that. There's something in that that I want. But for my own paintings, I know that there's a, if the fear part is that it's the same thing that you would put a lot of effort and time into making a set of work that for whatever reason, nobody else would be interested in. But I know, you know, I know that I would learn a lot from doing it. Yeah. And I suppose I don't know if I can do it. You know, I don't know if it's going so much against the grain of how I feel at the moment that I work naturally that I wouldn't be able to do it. And isn't that interesting when we say that we're, we're frightened of, and we don't know if we can do it, but we haven't tried. Mm. And one, one, what keeps us, and this is for everybody thinking about this question as well when they're listening, is what keeps us from trying it and finding out if we can? It's not like the, the paratroopers are not going to storm through the door with guns and arrest you because you did it and it didn't work. I think it comes back to the time thing again, though. Right. So we're, fear, we're fearful of, of wasting time on something that doesn't work, whatever work means. So maybe it just goes back to the idea of having to get comfortable that, you know, failure is going to be part of it. Yeah. Um, and just making sure, therefore, that you've got enough time and space, perhaps in your schedule, if you're a working artist, so that... Uh, this is something that I'm very conscious of this year too that you know last year was an incredible year but there was a lot happening and I needed to keep making work and there wasn't enough space for me to have time where I could make things that in my own head I would deem a failure yes and I know that that's really important if my work is going to change so facing up to these fears and you know but working out what it is and, and and that is it for me it's it's that I might spend time on something that I don't feel comfortable about showing anybody else yes and that's it for me as well because I've had a lifetime of being productive and mm. because I had a career in business as you did at one point and you deliver things and you you're supposed to the idea of messing around to learn something is always challenging. Yeah. Would it, would it help then to pair it and have some, something else running alongside that you knew you could do? Or do you think you just have to throw yourself wholeheartedly into whatever's making you fearful? Yeah, I, I, I think, I, I think of that um, Seth Godin, who people don't know him. He's a marketing guy, but he's like kind of a modern day philosopher and he talks all the time about this idea that fear is the pointer for where you need to be going. Yeah. And I really believe that. 
um, that when you feel, and, and I think it was David Bowie as well who said, you always should be feeling like you're just slightly out of your depth, like you've just gone a little bit too far. And because that's where the interesting stuff happens. And I do believe that's the case. So I suppose I think that if you're frightened of simplifying and I'm frightened of making these bigger red paintings, probably that's a sign that that's what we're supposed to be doing. I think it is. But I also think that it's okay that it's an idea that edges up on you. And it's very difficult, you know, first of all, you have to identify what it is. And it, it, again, it goes back to expecting a lot from yourself to suddenly jump from, okay, I've got this, and now I'm gonna go and do it, bam, just like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, that's a tough ask. Sometimes you do have to live with the idea a little, you know, give it space, <laughs> give it space in your home and in your mind, and then, and then it will happen. Um, and that it's okay that perhaps sometimes it takes a little time to build up to it. And this is why it's good that we're doing this together because everything... We wouldn't have done it on our own. <laughs> no, but everything you just said is the opposite of me. And um, I can just hear my husband laughing if he was here because he just laughs at me that if I have an idea on Monday by Tuesday, it's done and I'm fully into it. Like that's it. I've made my mind up. And it's... Apart a, from your big red paintings. Apart from those, yeah. But I see I only decided I was frightened of that yesterday. So give me till tomorrow. <laughs> but it's both a blessing and a curse because the fear yes it can be a guide to where you need to go but also just as you just said taking time to think things through I have jumped in feet first into plenty of disasters because I'm that's the way I am so I think well the reason it's good we're doing this together is we'll give completely different uh, perspectives on that aspect of things and hopefully people find their own balance in there somewhere lovely so we'd love to hear from you if fear wasn't a factor what would you make so we'd love to hear from you or just spend time thinking about this yourself but if you want to get involved i run a facebook group called the art explorers and, and go louise sorry and i have a group called this painting life or find us on Facebook, each of us, and come and discuss on our page. We'd love to hear from you. I think that about sums it up for this episode. And we hope you enjoyed and we'll look forward to chatting to you again soon. Bye, Bye. Louise. Bye.